This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Fraser, here with Ryan Kennedy and Matt Larkin. We're back after a one-week hiatus. Too many guys on vacation. Summer. Gentlemen, good vacation. I was working. Yeah. I was crushing SIP edits all last week. Sure. SIP stands for, uh, oh, yeah. that's, in, that's industry a, speak by Ed. It stands for Special Interest Publication. Interest publication. Which I, don't is, know, I don't even know what it stands well, for. That's even, that could be the driest description yeah. of a, the, an amazing magazine. Special Interest yeah. Publication. It's a, special interest, it's a collector's yeah. edition. It's really, it, this is, yeah. I didn't realize we were going to start this podcast with advertising, but let's just roll with it. Uh, sure. Top 100 goalies of all time, everybody. Huge. It's, it's coming be, down the pipe. That's it's, right. It's, I, I've seen a lot of stories, a lot of great stories, uh, some controversial rankings. Mm. Got it pretty solid. Piggybacking uh, off the, obviously, the uh, top 100 players of all time, very popular and widely Highly regarded publication from the Hockey News, originally published back in '97. Yeah, '97, our original yeah. top 100. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. Uh, updated. But anyways, uh, getting off topic. Let's get to the news of the summer. Uh, continuing on, even through the dog days, uh, Jeff Skinner trade. Oh boy, uh, Sabers get Jeff Skinner. The Canes in return get Cliff Poo, a 2019 second round pick. And a third and a sixth in 2020. Matt, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I really like it for Buffalo. I already was liking what the Sabres had done this offseason. With the the Ryan O'Reilly trade, they still managed to to get back some good defensive players. Patrick Berglund, Vladimir Sabatka, you're adding Rasmus Dahlin to the lineup. you got Carter Hutton starting in now as a goaltender, who I think, given Robin Lehner's situation, is probably an upgrade, at least in the short term. so and then you got Connor Sheary coming in in that trade as well. So I really liked already what Jason Botterill had done, and now bringing in Jeff Skinner, you're really establishing a pretty interesting top six because we thought Connor Sheary was was for sure going to play with Jack Eichel, but now you have the option of playing Sheary with Casey Middlestad. You could play Jeff Skinner with Jack Eichel if you wanted even more speed on that, on that top line. Uh, and to me, in the Atlantic Division, I mean, I, I like Buffalo better than Montreal. I like Buff- Buffalo better than Detroit. I like Buffalo better than Ottawa. Uh, and now I, I feel like the Sabres, you never know. It's not inconceivable that they've pushed the Florida Panthers. Uh, and to, I, I really do see an improvement for the Sabres to, I don't know, 85 points. I think this is finally going to be the year we see progress. So on the Buffalo side of things, uh, I really like the trade. And I'll, I'll let Ryan talk now, but I can... I have different feelings on the on the Carolina side, but let's stick to Buffalo for a minute. So, Ryan, what do you think? Before we get your thoughts, Ryan, just tell the listeners a little bit about Cliff Poo. Yeah, I mean, Cliff Poo's a, a, a decent prospect. Uh, he was ranked eighth on the Sabres in last year's edition of Future Watch. Now, this was before they drafted Rasmus Dahlin and the rest of their 2018 draft cohort, obviously. So you got to shift those numbers a little bit. Um, Good size, good vision, good speed. Uh, Point-per-game guy in the playoffs for Kingston. Um, played most of his career with the London Knights and then got traded to the Frontenacs because they were going for it in the East. I personally would have liked to see Carolina get somebody a little bit higher in Buffalo's uh, pipeline, maybe like a Rasmus Asplund, for example. Uh, you know, a, a guy who could be maybe a two-way center for you down the line and and again was a little higher uh, as per future watch 
I was also really surprised they didn't get a first rounder. You know, I mean, people say, you know, Skinner is, you know, a, a kind of a bit of a rental here, but he had to waive his no trade clause in order to go to Buffalo. I don't know if anybody has ever waived their no trade clause to go to Buffalo and not go to some other teams. You know, like I was on the conference call with, with Don Waddell, and he said there was other deals they had tried to make for Skinner, but he didn't want to go to those particular cities. They didn't say which ones they were, but this was a deal that took a long time because they, you know, Buffalo knew that Skinner, you know, was interested, um, but they had to make the right deal for Carolina. You think about some of the players that got dealt at the trade deadline last year that got first rounders. I mean, Jeff Skinner, he's not old. I mean, he's in his prime. Like Ryan Hartman fetched a first rounder, did he not? At the deadline? I think technically he might have. Jeff Skinner is 26. Yeah, he's 26. So, I mean, I know he's played a lot of hockey, but he's he's still in his prime years. You put him with Eichel, maybe even with Middlestad, and you've got like a 35 goal scorer. He scored 33 times in his career. Yeah. High 20s once. And he never had a real center. No. Never had a number one center. No. He's never played with somebody like Eichel. Right. He didn't even get peak Eric Stahl. Like Eric Stahl's absolute monster years were before Jeff Skinner's yeah. time. Right? Yeah, so exactly. they played together, they weren't making absolute magic. Yeah, 30, so I guess he did have Eric... I mean, Eric Stahl's number yeah. one center. But I mean, the past uh, few years... 35-75 is not unreasonable now. For not Skinner. unreasonable whatsoever. So I was, I was surprised. I, I guess, you know, if... If Carolina, I mean, with the no trade clause, obviously they were a little bit handcuffed, but I'm surprised. I guess I would have rather had a first rounder than a couple of other picks. But why are you handcuffed? You don't have the no trade to, clause. But you don't yeah. have to deal with the kid. You're right. Right. You could have. But they never, they, they never discussed an extension. And yeah. the, and it's a good point though, Ed, because the one thing I wondered about from Carolina's perspective is okay, so. So many of their guys have been rumored to be traded. It's scorched earth. So you trade Noah Hannafin, but you get back Dougie Hamilton. Mm. You get back a high-impact roster player. But this time, you're sending out Skinner, and you're not getting back any immediate help. Right. Unless Cliff Poo has the camp of his life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's going to be a while. Um, and to me, that sends an interesting message from the Tom Dun-Dun ownership regime, which is they were coming in, scorched earth, change, change of culture. I also got the sense that they kind of wanted to win now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I thought, but sending out Skinner this early, as opposed to holding on to him and then at least having Jeff Skinner on your team for much of the year, you're getting nothing back. And Carolina's really weakened itself. To me, that yeah. trade says, okay, we're not going for the playoffs this year. If you're sending out Jeff Skinner before the season starts and not getting a roster player back, I think if I'm a Hurricanes fan, I'm thinking, geez, okay, I guess that's it for this year. Mm-hmm. Clearly, management is not interested in winning now. Okay, but I I don't I I think you're wrong though because I think that there's more deals to come. They have 17 NHL defensemen on the roster. <laughs> you know, they're very deep on defense. They are. I mean, they, yeah. their their defense core is very but good. Justin Falk might be on the third. That's right exactly yeah. what I mean. So now, can you turn Justin Falk into an asset that can replace Jeff Skinner this season? I would say hypothetically you can because, I mean, even though Carolina's defense was not great last year, I think a lot of that was goaltending, it was structure. I I mean, I I still believe in Justin Falk, and I think a lot of teams would love to have Justin Falk. And that's where maybe you can get your top six player. I don't know if, 
if there's a number one center available, because uh, that's what Carolina needs. Mm-hmm. They need a number one center. You're not getting a just. You're not getting a number one center for Justin. Falk. Well, and the maybe thing not. Is, with Justin Falk also being, I mean, Falk has what two years left on his deal, so he's he's more than a rental, but he's not a long term mm-hmm. acquisition. So. The team trading for Justin Falk is probably a contender if you're, if you're acquiring him for short term. And if you're a contender, you're probably more likely to want to trade futures, not present, because you're trying yeah. to keep your team, you're trying to make your team stronger. So I don't know. I think the Skinner trade sets a different precedent now for Carolina. If you're trading one of your, like those, you know, we know it's Skinner, and it was Skinner, Falk, and Hannafin. Skin, and so Hannafin's gone, Falk's gone, or, or Skinner's gone, so Falk's the last piece. But if you trade Skinner and you didn't get a roster player now, I don't know. I personally think that sets the precedent that we should expect something similar for Justin Falk, you know, mm. a, a prospect, uh, a bigger return because again, you're getting him for two years and he's got a really team friendly deal. Yes. four point eight three million, I believe. Yeah, um, it, it is four point eight three million, amazingly enough, and it is for two years. And he has a modified no trade. Yeah, and I know they care. Fifteen care. team. Yeah. 15, Fifteen team. Wow. I know. You know, Waddell said that they have. Actually, this is the most interesting thing that Waddell said was that if they didn't win one of those draft lottery spots, if they had stayed at 11 instead of going all the way up to two, in which they got Andrei Sveshnikov, they might not have made this trade for Jeff Skinner. They think Sveshnikov can come in. There's um, you know, Martin Nettish coming in. Um, you know, hopefully full time if you're a Hurricanes fan. They have prospects in Charlotte they believe can take the next step. Guys like Alexi Sarala, Lucas Valmark, um, Warren Fogel, who had a pretty nice debut in the NHL last year. They believe in those kids. Um, so that's the that's the party line. Is they think Svechnikov can have a big impact. I think he can. I just still see a lot of flaws in the lineup, particularly down the middle. Yeah, and in goal. And in goal, yeah. That's, I mean, th- when it comes back to it, with or without Skinner, Carolina's not a playoff team. Yeah, not right now. Not unless Peter Mrazek rediscovers what he showed in his early days in Detroit. With all due respect to Scott Darling, I don't think that light's switching back on. No. No. Um, other news coming out recently was a John Gibson contract. Uh, this one floored me. He gets eight years at $6.4 million. I know in three I know that's not a bad price for a number one goalie. He's a number one goalie. Um, but man, what have you done? I mean, John Gibson has played an all-star game. Uh, he got my vote. So has John Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but I you know what? I'm pulling out my imaginary sign. That's my oh, the Oakland defense. Right? Okay. Right, right. That's but John Gibson, uh, I think especially according to his rate stats as being one of the better goalies in the league for the last two or three years. Yeah. I, I, he got my vote uh, for all-star teams. I voted for John Gibson ahead of Andre Vasilevsky and Connor Hellebuck to for my uh, all-star goalie picks this year. Um, because if you look at the rate stats and the, the quality of chances, the even strength save percentage, all those advanced numbers, Gibson's been very, very good. I don't think there's any questioning his talent. I think he has the talent to be a Vezina Trophy winner. And he always was supposed to be this good. He was a big-time yep. prospect coming up. Um, but I think the, the major question for Gibson is health. He's mm. been pretty injury-prone. He's prone to nicks early in his career. He gets seems like he gets run a lot. Like there was a, It's funny. I had him on my fantasy team, so I remember this. There was a stretch where he got pulled from the game with an injury three times in an eight-game stretch this year. Uh-huh. Um, but Gibson did reach the 60-game threshold this year, which I think is a pretty good sign for his durability. Uh, and he's still young enough that I don't think we can call him a dream-prone yet. Uh, so 
I think that's the only hurdle is just can he be a healthy goaltender? You don't want him to become another Ben Bishop who's just constantly getting nicked up. Uh, but other than that, I like it. I think Gibson deserves the money. I think he's just as good as Connor Hellebuck. Um, and I so, think he'll make the Ducks happy. So none of, the, none of the playoff issues are on him? Uh, no. Because has he been has – he, he hasn't been past the second round. I don't know if he's been Yeah, past conference first. final. Conference final. But, I mean, Frederick Anderson got the lion's share of the work that year. Yeah. Um, but, I think again, Gibson made 16 starts. In the playoffs, not in the playoffs that year. The year they the year they lost to Chicago in the conference final, it was mainly Frederick. Anderson. No, no, no. This is two years ago. Uh, oh yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, they yeah. Didn't go to the conference so he had final. he had yeah. one good run two years ago, and he's had a couple of appearances that were not very. good. Yeah, he's had some blips, but yeah, I think he, again he's relatively young and not that tested yet. So, so I'm, you, I'm a believer. You like it too, right? I'm I'm kind of in the middle where. It feels like eight years is a lot because I know what you're saying with the health and yeah he's he's been banged up. I I I'm not sure if he's gone a season in the NHL without missing time due to injury. I think one year he might have only missed two games, but it, it it's still kind of like is there is there an underlying conditioning issue here? And you know I mean this is something that can be fixed. I know that you know Matt you did a story on Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, a couple of years ago about how he changed his summers and, and that turned him on to, uh, to a new you know, rung of success. Um, I think we're seeing it with Andre Vasilevsky now where he's understanding what it takes to be a goalie who starts 65 games instead of 55 or 45. Uh, and that's still a work in progress as we saw you know, in the playoffs and, and down the stretch with Tampa Bay. But that's going to be the challenge for Gibson. I, I think if... You know, ideally, if I was the Ducks, I would have gone six years, and and it's the same amount of money. Um, but you know, you gotta have some give one way or another. And sure. I mean, if if you have a goaltender that that's good. The, the thing is, netminders don't age like forwards or defensemen do. That's right. You can have a great goaltender who's thirty five right. years old, and it's not weird. So I mean, for Gibson, like as Matt said, the talent's there, the stats are there most of the time. Playoffs have been a mixed bag. Health has been a mixed bag, but I mean, I, I think you have to make that commitment if you're the Ducks because you're in a spot right now where you need some connecting sinew between the Getzlaff, Kessler, Perry era and the upcoming era of Troy Terry, Brandon Montour, Ricard Raquel, you know, the, the younger crew that's coming up and some of them have already established themselves like Raquel. And- one thing I was thinking, um, we said this on the podcast a lot, especially Ken, is so often free agency is kind of backwards and that guys get their biggest money when they become unrestricted free agents. They get paid for what they've done, not what they're going to do, and they get their most money when they're on the downslope of their career. And that's what we've seen with the Henrik Lundqvist contract and now the Carey Price contract, which is just starting, when it looks like Price is about to start his decline, at least mm-hmm. his health is starting to fail him. So what I really like about signing Gibson, who's only 25 for eight years, is to me that's new school thinking. That's, that's yeah. hey, wait, no, let's lock him up for all his best seasons and lock have him, then he's 30, lock yeah, lock him up. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then he's 33 when the contract ends, right? Or yeah. he'll actually be 32, because he yeah. just turned 25. So 32 years old, you get, then, then you're free of Gibson, but you had him for only his best years. Yeah. So I like that, to me it's sort of, whereas if you had him do a six year deal, then do you have to sign him to a monster 
extension when he's about to become a UFA, and then you pay him till he's 38, yeah. and you're paying him $10 million, which is what could happen with Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg down the road. Yeah, I, I just eight years for a guy who has injury concerns, it just it scares me a little bit, and especially with how finicky goaltending is. I'm not saying he hasn't had a really good stretch over three years, but when injury concerns come into play, some playoff concerns as well, you're making a long-term commitment, and in three years from now, you could be paying $6.4 million for a backup goalie. You never know. I know, I, 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 know, I know you have to, these are decisions you have to make, but um, speaking of decisions that were not to be made by the Ottawa Senators, <laughs> Mark Stone, one-year deal, $7.35 million in arbitration, UFA, let the rumors begin! <laughs> oh, man. Riley, let's start with you. Your thoughts on that? I will say that now Mark Stone becomes a pretty good rental. But, and, and, you know, you'll get a good package in return for him. But I, I couldn't help but thinking, like, you know, everybody knows what's going on in Ottawa right now. Mark Stone knows the deal. Was there not a deal that could be made where he signed for like two years with the sort of impl- implication that we're trading you at this deadline, but you could kind of help us out because if you're not a rental exclusively, we can get a better package back. Maybe Mark Stone doesn't care. I, I don't think I would care uh, if I was a member of the Ottawa Senators based on how things have gone there. Um, but I mean, I, I guess that's what I would have sh- tried to shoot for, but... I'm, this clearly looks like a divorce in the making, you know. And, and my question is, like, you know, I mean, Eric Carlson's going to be gone soon. Mark Stone now is going to be gone soon. If I'm Matt Duchesne, I'm definitely not signing any sort of extension. I'm just waiting for unrestricted free agency in the summer. I know Ottawa's rebuilding, but do you not have to keep somebody talented? Like, Mike Hoffman's already gone as well. Let's not forget that. Like, at what point... It's like I was saying earlier with Anaheim, where there's clearly a bit of a secession plan there. But what's the plan in Ottawa? Like, you gotta keep somebody good, don't you? This is, like, bottoming out. Like, who teaches the kids? Like, who stops them from being just an utter embarrassment the next two seasons, assuming Carlson is gone? Like, you need somebody to mentor... The Thomas Shabbats, the Colin Whites, the Logan Browns. Bobby you know. Ryan. Bobby Ryan is going to be. Gonna I guess it's it, Bobby I guess. Ryan, and they, I mean they've been trying to deal Bobby Ryan just because of his contract and the fact that it seems like he only scores four goals in the second half every year. He, there's just some weird block there. I don't know what it is, but I mean, other than Bobby Ryan, yeah, like who teaches the Drake Bathersons of the world? I, I I just I don't know what the plan is here, other than get rid of everybody. So we don't have to pay them actual dollars. It's funny, and I, I see it similar, but except I, I in my mind, it's the players doing. It. I think it's a I think it's a form of protest. So I think it's Mark yeah, Stone saying, "No, I will not sign. I'm I want to go to arbitration because I want out. I'm I'm, I'm going to jump off this sinking ship." Right. And I think Matt Duchesne's going to do the same. We know Eric Carlson wants to do the same. So I don't I don't even see it now in my mind. I mean, this is the narrative that, that I'm I, mm. I'm reading between the lines and seeing here. It's that the players are like, "No." It's almost like a rebellion against Eugene Melnick, and they're saying, we're done. No, we're not staying. The first chance we get, we're out of here. So Mark Stone made that move, the arbitration. He's going to free himself as quickly as he can. Now, it wasn't an arbitration decision, mind you. 
Did, oh, they they signed. Oh, they they, they signed, didn't go to arbitration, right? Yeah, it was. So they signed. Like, they signed pre-arbitration, but yeah. the one-year deal. There was the threat of arbitration. Yes. And I think the message was still no. I I want to stay here the minimum amount of time. Yes. Because I want out. Yes. And Cody CC went to arbitration. Right, and Cody yeah. CC, I think. I think the goal is to go to arbitration again next year. Yeah. And he's going to try and get out as well as soon as he can. Yeah. That's what I think is happening. I think it's just a rebellion. It's a, it's a form of protest. And it's almost like if Ottawa really wants to save itself, it's got to be sold to a new owner or something. Mm. Uh, or relocated. Or, or they need a, a true fresh start, not just from a hockey standpoint. I think they need a, a decision maker restart. Um, because it's almost like no one wants to play for this team now. That's yeah. what that's what I'm feeling. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's well. That that actually leads into my next question about this: is is should we fear for the future of this franchise in Ottawa? Certainly. I mean, I think <laughs> I think we're way past that point. And I mean, yeah, you know, the attendance has been poor. Part of that, a big part of it, is where the arena is. Big part of it is ownership. And, I mean, the, the galling thing, and we've mentioned this on the podcast before, is they don't have a number one pick in 2019 because they traded it in the Matt Duchesne deal. So they could finish 31st. They could, quote-unquote, win the draft lottery, and then they're going to have to watch Colorado saunter up on stage and select Jack Hughes because of a trade that will probably see them get, you know, a year and a half of Matt Duchesne, and then Matt Duchesne will walk in unrestricted free agency because why wouldn't he? He can sign with. Imagine he went back to Colorado. Imagine if he went back to Colorado and be like, "Yeah, I could be your second line oh, center behind God. Nathan McKinnon." Thing, you know. Well, they got Tyson Jost as well, but yeah. whatever. You can put one of them on the wing. Yeah. Imagine, imagine that that Colorado ends up with McKinnon, Jack Hughes, Tyson Jost, and Matt Duchesne. Shane Bowers from the trade as well. Shane Bowers in the trade Lots as well. Kamenev, Samuel Gerard. Yeah, like their whole top six could be like, like half their top six could be based off like Ottawa. Ottawa's miscue. The worst thing that happened to this franchise was to make the conference final and to yes. almost get to the Stanley Cup. Totally. 100%. Created fake, false expectations. Yes. Yeah. And then that led to... They traded... They made the Duchesne trade because they thought, oh, we're, we're gonna, close. We're putting ourselves over the top. Yeah. Because yeah. for some reason, nobody happened to look at Craig Anderson's stats to realize that he only has a good year every second year. Yes. And then he's also like 39 years old. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> is Ottawa Quebec City... We're all looking at. It's a perfect I kind of feel it's yeah. I kind of feel that's perfect. You stay in the same division, even for the moving trucks. Like you don't have to move. Like, <laughs> yeah, close. yeah. No, uh, to me that makes so much sense. Where it's like you you'll have you know deep pocketed ownership in Quebec. You have a fan base and a market that is clearly starving for a team. The arena's beautiful yeah. uh, and in a pretty good location. It's probably easier. To get to that arena from Ottawa <laughs> than it is to get out there right now. With traffic? With traffic. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I fear. I mean, there's a lot of great hockey fans in Ottawa, um, but I fear for the future of this franchise. It is such a tire fire. Yeah. Um, and this deal is just another sign of that. It's scary. And, and what plays out, I mean, Carlson's gone. There's no doubt about that. And what plays out over the next six to eight months is not only going to determine the future of this franchise on the ice, but the future of this franchise in Ottawa. It's, uh, it's a scary situation. Um, reader questions, uh, and I thought this is a really good one. Uh, 
It's funny, a, a Maple Leafs fan not worried about Maple Leafs. He probably wants Blake Wheeler to sign with the Maple Leafs. That's what <laughs> I, uh, I apologize if I'm wrong. Uh, Leafs 2391 at Maple Leafs 91. He asks, what should the Jets do with Blake Wheeler next summer? He'll be 33 at the start of his next contract. Seems like a tough decision. I don't doubt it is. Matt? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's one where they probably have to bite the bullet and just re-up him. Um, I know he's getting long in the tooth, but he plays a really smart game that I think is still going to age reasonably well. Uh, And he's their captain, he's their leader. Uh, And I think there's motivation for him to stay because he's a Minnesota boy, so it's not too far other than playing for the Wild. But uh, I think it's one where, yes, they're probably going to have to overpay him a bit. um, Because the the numbers are still there, and then it might hurt them on the, the downside of that contract. But... I think he's earned it, you know? It's like he's earned multiple years. He's earned, I don't know, he's going he's gonna to be able to command it, I don't know, at least a four-year deal or something like that, right? And if he continues producing at this rate, which he probably will given his line mates, it's probably going to cost, I don't know, what, $8 million a year to keep him? Mm-hmm. But it's kind of one of those situations where, yes, is it, is it smart from a pure hockey standpoint down the road? Probably not, but I just think he's earned it, and he's so important to the team, important to the community. Uh, and I, I, I still think, even though he's a big dude, um, he does so many things well that I think his his game will age reasonably well into his mid thirties. Yeah, I think the big X factor here is what happens if the Jets win the Stanley Cup. Mm. Because the the calculation, like everything, kind of changes. Not if oh, when, 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 when. Yeah, because if they win the Stanley Cup, then I think you know you get into sort of a mission accomplished kind of thing, and I think it's probably easier to talk Wheeler into a bit of a hometown discount. At that point, and you know what? I mean, honestly, maybe it works both ways. I think you say, like, we're close. I think it saves you money if you win the Stanley Cup because it yeah. takes the pressure off. If it you don't the win, then you've got to win next year. And yeah. You've got to bring him back. I, I, think, I think he's less likely to resign if they win the Stanley Cup because it's like, well, we've, we've done we've it. We've done it. Yeah, so we, we, we don't necessarily need Yeah, so then he could chase dollars. But, I mean, John Carlson resigned yeah. after winning the Cup. I thought, if, you know, I thought maybe because the Caps won – Carlson would say, like, okay, well, I've done my job here. I'm going to go chase dollars. But clearly not. And I think with Wheeler, like, I think ideally you sign a three-year deal with him and you have, you know, a high cap number. Because, I mean, like you say, he's got to get paid. He's worth at least eight. You go three years and, you know, assuming they win the cup this year or even next year, then it's sort of – then it doesn't matter, right? If it's a bad contract, it's like, who cares? Yeah. We won the first Winnipeg Jets Stanley Cup ever. Yeah, exactly. That kind of currency, that carries you. I, I've said this many times about the Chicago Blackhawks. When people say, like, oh, they're in Capel, They have these horrible contracts. It's like, so what? Yeah. They had three parades. Yeah. It was all, no one should care about that. Same with Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah. Brent Seabrook could be 50 and still playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. And y'all are gonna remember the rings. Yeah, of course. So it's like if, if they have to if they win the cup and they're overpaying Blake Wheeler in a couple of years, doesn't matter. Yeah. I, and I see Wheeler to me, I think Joe Thornton is an example of if yes. you're smart, if you're a smart player who can set guys up even when your legs fail you, you can still be a good NHLer. So I could see Blake Wheeler at like thirty six, just kinda, of, you know, using his big body in the corner, just setting up Patrick Line, whoever his line mate is by then. Yeah. Uh, and maybe no, it wouldn't be Line because Line is on the right side. And maybe but, signing a bunch of one year deals. Yeah, just like just using his playmaking skills, even though he's a winger, he's a great playmaker. Uh, so I think he would still be an effective player down the road. Drew Hall from uh, at Superkick Junkie. 
Is that a new drug I'm not aware of? <laughs> uh, Dude, super kid. <laughs> can Columbus challenge Pittsburgh or Washington as the top team in the Metro, or are they set to regress? Well, That's I mean, if you, if you pick up a copy of our yearbook, which is going to be coming out Spoiler soon. alert! Spoiler alert. alert! We are indeed picking Columbus to win the Metro. I know not everyone, I don't think everyone in this room even agrees. It was not consensus, yeah, it wasn't consensus but... Yeah. But uh, we we just think Columbus is a team that they're they're young. They have so much of their talent is ascending. Like Pierre Luc Dubois was, you know, he's proved especially in the second half last year why he was the third overall pick ahead of Jesse Pugliarvi. Now that pick looks really smart. It looks it like does. it was never even in doubt. Especially Ole Ulevi who went went fifth as well. It's like wow, they really nailed it on Pierre Luc Dubois. <laughs> Dodge a couple of those. Right, and then you've got I mean Seth Jones was. Probably the best defenseman in the NHL for the last, what, two months last season. Zach Wierenski, when his shoulder's okay, he's going to be a force again. Um, and, I mean, yes, Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, they're up in the air right now. But when they're on the team, they're damn good. So I think we still have to project the team as if those guys are there. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't assume a trade happens just because it's possible. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at Pittsburgh, they couldn't really add a ton of I – mean, their biggest addition was Jack Johnson. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and Washington was this off season was more about just maintaining the core, and they did lose a couple pieces like Jay Beagle. Um, so I just think Columbus. I mean, they were they they were what hundred and seven hundred nine point team two years ago. Uh, they had Washington. They were up two games to none on the defending champs, and they were in overtime in game three. Yep. They almost went up three nothing on the on the the team that won the Stanley Cup. Shout out to Lars Eller. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So. I like what Columbus has, and I mean, I don't think John Tortorella has worn out his shelf life yet. He hasn't Mike Keenan'd it yet, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I like them this year. I, I I agree too, and I think another reason is the fact that because of the Panarin and Bobrovsky situations, there are going to be buyers through it this season. This is a win now. Year. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a very big year for Columbus. Yeah. So yeah. I I think and regular season, you know, I think there's going to be pressure on them to perform, and mm-hmm. whereas Pittsburgh and Washington. Pittsburgh especially has learned the regular season doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And Washington, I think, is going to be hung over until maybe February. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is a perfect situation for them to succeed in the regular season. Playoff time. <laughs> Playoffs? Play- yeah. That might be a bit of a different situation. Because yeah. I don't think they've learned to lose yet. And I, it's yeah. funny. I was going to say, it's, it's kind of a backhanded compliment to say, like, Columbus is going to win the division because Washington and Pittsburgh won't care. Yeah, it, it yeah. is for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like... Let's get serious. In a seven-game series, who's a better team, Washington or Columbus? Yeah. I mean, probably Washington, but Columbus has got the talent. It's just that, that, I think the okay. problem is Sergey Bobrovsky. He's been very bad in the playoffs for mm. his career. So even then, who's a better team in the playoffs, seven-game series, Pittsburgh or Columbus? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, mean, Pittsburgh, they just they know how to do it. Yeah. That, so that's what yeah. worries me come playoff time. Yeah. Now, I will say that, you know, so Dubois is a big X factor because he could keep on growing. He, he might have a sophomore slump. Happens to the best of them. Um, but Boone Jenner had an off year. Alexander Venber went through some injuries, had an off year. You're going to get more offense from those guys. Um, you know, Oliver Bjorkstrand still on his way up. He could really help out. And, yeah, I mean, like you, like you said, like Panarin, we, we can't assume that he's going to be traded. Um, and there's also the possibility that – if they do trade him, they get something equal in return. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, they are kind of pressured because of the contract talk. But at the same time, they could just say, like, well, if you want Artemi Panarin, 
you got to pony up. You can take your chances with him in free agency, or you could give us, you know, an elite level winger in exchange. So, I mean, we can also kind of go off that. But I, I think they can win the division, but they they won't necessarily be the the best team in the division. Yeah. And I, th- I think the other team to keep an eye on as a sleeper is the Philadelphia Flyers. If they get any kind of goaltending. Basically, oh, if Matt. Carter Hart makes the team. Oh, man. If Carter Hart makes the team. Poor man. I know. I know. It's like this is a recording. You have the yeah. Flyers get goaltending. But if Carter yeah. Hart has the camp of his life. I've said that second time in this podcast. If yeah. somebody has camp of his life. But Carter Hart, it really could happen. I know he's, his goal, he said openly, he's really pushing for a roster spot this year. I know it's not that realistic for at his age. Yeah. But, I mean, he's probably better than Brian Elliott and Michael Lloyd <laughs> already. And the rest of the Flyers team, there's a lot to like there. I mean, they've added JVR to that top six. Nolan Patrick's going to be a lot better, I think, as a sophomore. You've got Ivan Provorov and Ghost Bear, great defense core on the rise. I, I just, I'm not saying, I mean, we have Philly finishing fourth. Yeah. But I would say keep an eye on them if, even though I can't even say it without smiling, but right. if they get goaltending. Well, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, you can you can get all excited about who's going to come out of that division, but it doesn't really matter because they're still going to be the fourth best team in the conference. Right. right. Yeah, the big three in the East are all in the Atlantic. Yeah. 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 Um, Sebastian Harrison asked, which non-starting goalie will, will slash deserves to get the nod in net next season? As a Swede, I've always believed Anders Nielsen has the potential of being a number one. Huge frame, good technique, and showed in Buffalo that he's capable of putting up really good numbers in the NHL. So is it Anders Nielsen or somebody else? I don't think. I think it's Anders Nielsen's teammate, Thatcher Demko. Mm. <laughs> uh, that would probably be my pick. I think Demko, his career trajectory is very similar to Connor Hellebuck's, yeah. and I think he's got the same swagger, got the same size, and same pedigree. Like just like Hellebuck was always projected to become a really good starter, I think Demko's pedigree was even higher. He was picked higher than Hellebuck, if I'm not mistaken. Oh uh, yeah, Demko. Yeah. yeah, he was a very early second rounder. Very, very early second rounder for, for goalie. It's almost like a vote of confidence saying you're essentially a first rounder in, in yeah. this day and age. He probably would have been a first rounder, but he had like a bit of a uh, I think he had a hip problem or something. Yeah. But yeah, to me, Demko is, the, is uh, a potential future star and I think it's only a matter of time before he gets his chance. And I think that's why the Canucks have those sort of placeholder type goalies and mm-hmm. Anders Nilsson, Jacob Markstrom. They're, they're good. They're, fine. they're better backups than starters. They can start in a pinch, but I think they're both just keeping the seat warm for Demko. Yeah, and I agree. And, and it's funny because I was going to say with, with Carter Hart, I don't think Philly's going to put him in that position because they want him to just get a bunch of starts in Lehigh Valley in the AHL, and, and I think that's the right course of action. Demko, I, I think what I, what I would like to see is for him to get maybe like 8 to 10 starts this year with Vancouver. And, you know, a lot of them can be at the end of the year when they're not playing for anything because Vancouver is rebuilding. And they don't necessarily want to win a lot of games. They want to get lots of reps for guys like Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser and Adam Gaudet, uh, if he should make the Canucks full-time this year. I think that's where the Canucks are at. So, I, you know, Demko has already made his NHL debut, but I think the next step is to get him some more starts while having another prominent role in Utica. And then next year, that's where you see Demko make, like, 45 Maybe 50 starts. What about Philip Grubauer? Oh, yeah. That was my other pick. I, I had written down two names, Demko and Grubauer. Name. And to me, yeah. Grubauer, he might be the starter 
in October. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me that much. Mm-hmm. And I think I've said this several times over the last month, Money Talks. It's the exact same situation as Vasilevsky with Ben Bishop. Bishop at the time was injury prone, had one year left on his deal. They gave Vasilevsky a three-year deal that was or three-year extension that was paying him very clearly more than backup money. It was starter money. Uh, and that's exactly what, what Colorado did with Grubauer. I think the message is clear, like Varlamov, you're on your way out, sir. And I think if they know that, that Grubauer is their long-term starter, I mean, they can they may as well start giving him more of a workload right away. Sure. And, and I think yeah. that year in Bishop's walk year where he ended up getting traded, uh, they sort of had an even split for a lot of the time. And I could see Colorado almost platooning Varlamov and Grubauer. And I, I think Grubauer is going to be almost like this year's anti-Ranta and, and, and have a breakout season. And the other, uh, the Islanders situation is another one to keep an eye on. I mean, that's, I think, um, Grice there could end up as the number one. I mean, Laner was a number one, so he kind of gets a nod, but that's, you know, I think it could easily go either way there. Yes. Uh, last question is coming from Chester Winnebago. Great what name. a name. Yes. <laughs> what a question. Would you rather be able to feel completely rested after just one hour of sleep each night or two, be able to eat whatever you want and maintain perfect physical health? <laughs> I, I want to go first on this one because uh, I already eat whatever I want and maintain perfect <laughs> physical health. So I'm definitely going to go, <clears throat> I'm gonna go with the sleep <clears throat> one. Yes. You see how I eat. It's true. Yeah, yeah. it's true. You, it's remarkable. Yeah. I've never seen a guy eat that much fast food and, and not be... 300 pounds yeah. like Ryan yeah. Kennedy is, is he's not just not 300 pounds he's thin like he's he's, he's slender I have the metabolism of a Wolverine you, I think you, you you look good on the outside yes. but I worry I worry <laughs> that if if as as they did in the film Annihilation if they cut you open oh yeah if there would yeah. just be some sort of weird creature right. slithering around inside yeah, of you I mean, I mean that's possible I, I haven't had an x-ray in a while <laughs> <laughs> Matt sleeper food I'm going the food all the way, all the way. I love food. I have the soul of a fat man, and I already live. I already ha- have to exercise a lot just to be able to maintain my lifestyle. That and, and, because I do have the soul of a fat man, like I just love food so much. Uh, and to me, if you only you know if you slept one hour a night, well then everyone else is sleeping. You have no one to hang out with, anyways. Those light those nights would be lonely. So and and sleep is. Don't you have like a hundred shows in your Netflix? Queue? Yeah, but like, still you get bored and then yeah. I don't know. And and sleep is kind of fun sometimes too, right? So. I'm going, I want the food, and I want the perfect health, and I get to eat cheeseburgers and pizza and cookies all day long. Hot take from Matt Larkin. <laughs> Sleep is fun. It's, it's, it's good, fun. you know? Meanwhile, I'm going to Popeye's after this podcast. <laughs> but Popeye's is closed in the middle of the night when you're up all night. Mm. I'm taking. I'm taking. Food. I'm going to Popeyes during the day, and then I'm gonna maintain my condition. Oh, I was. This wasn't part of the uh, hypothetical. I'm literally gonna go to Popeyes. Okay, so this is podcast. your actual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's cool. fair. It was just a proclamation. <laughs> it's, two, it's two for one falafel day. It's falafel, falafel, falafel lunch. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, appreciate your time, and we'll be back hopefully next week if people are on vacation again. Thanks for <laughs> <Sure>. listening. <laughs>